Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. And I'm Kelsey. And on today's episode, in honor of the month of love, is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Now, before we get into the book, let's talk about the most important thing that keeps us going, which typically is coffee, but we're recording this in the evening, so no coffee for me, unfortunately. I am drinking a nice caffeine-free tropical beverage, which is still delicious, and I accept it. What about you? Well, you still you plug that word caffeine in there, even though it's caffeine free. So we're gonna we're gonna let you slide on this one. Uh-huh. I have a diet Dr Pepper, and it's in one of those cute little cans, like you know, not the normal size cans. Wait, the adorable little cans. I love mini cans. They're my go to if I buy cans of soda because they're so tiny and the perfect amount. The perfect amount, and it also arguably tastes better in the smaller can. So that's an interesting argument, fix, but you could be right. But I've only been drinking out of mini cans, so I mean, I do, I do enjoy it. It is quite good, and they just it fits in my hand wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, cheers! Happy podcasting! <laughs> cheers! All right, so let's talk about Casey McQuiston a bit. So Casey McQuiston is a New York Times bestselling author of romantic comedies, and she's also a pie enthusiast. They write stories about smart people with bad manners falling in love. Born and raised in southern Louisiana, they now live in New York City with their poodle mix slash personal assistant, Pepper. Pepper. And they use gender neutral pronouns. Pepper and Casey both use gender neutral pronouns. (laughs) Yes, definitely do. Also, I just love that her dog's name is Pepper. That's adorable. Agreed. So Casey has written three novels. She wrote a gay romance, royal romance, Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is the book we're discussing today. Queer new adult romance, One Last Stop, which features an instantly classic sex scene aboard a Q subway train. And a sweet... I know. (laughs) And a sweet YA romance slash mystery, I Kissed Cheryl Wheeler. All of their novels are deeply pleasurable, romantic, and very, very queer. Hey, I like that. Mm -hmm. So we got a theme. We got a theme. So in an article with NBC News, McQuiston said they grew up in the golden era of rom-coms. A lover of the genre from a young age, they said as a young person the best they hoped for in terms of LGBTQ representation was like a punchline through tragedies, you know, that left me so hungry. They were in their early 20s when they decided to try and write a romance novel. The result, Red, White, and Royal Blue, was not an easy sell to publishers. They said it was really, really hard to get mainstream adult romance publishers to take a risk on a queer adult rom-com, which shouldn't be a thing, but unfortunately it is a thing. Yeah, and I, I can totally see that why it would be a thing even though it shouldn't mm-hmm. but also the fact that this was their first novel that's like that's two things working against them that they have to sell to a publisher so i totally see how it's just like you know the odds are stacked against them yeah but clearly they persevered and the book sold in 2018 and it was a huge success and a film adaptation will be released later this year it finalized filming last year so it 
it should be coming out, I want to say, probably over the summer, which we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the episode. So as McQuiston has watched the market for queer romance stories broaden, they see even more opportunities to deepen the representation that's already out there. In particular, they said they'd like to see more trans feminine romance stories and romance novels by Black, Asian, Latinx, and Indigenous writers. They said that they imagine a scenario when an entire section of a bookstore is queer romance. They said, like, there's so many queer romance novels that it's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Which, yes. I love that so much. And that's... Totally. Such a, a pure goal that shouldn't be as unattainable as it may seem. You know what I mean? Like, it, it seems... Agreed so crazy but it shouldn't at all like that's no exactly the trajectory that we should be heading towards and this is a great start yeah and i could totally imagine myself walking into a barnes and nobles and seeing an embarrassment of riches of queer romance novels because (laughs) why not that community is so large and they deserve to be represent to be to have that representation yeah and and even in the book world as a whole, even if it's not stories about queer relationships, even just the representation of, you know, queer writers and people of color and just mm-hmm. that representation is is severely lacking in the book world. And I think it's getting better. It's definitely getting better, um, especially with, you know, the help of social media. Mm-hmm. But it's an uphill b- battle, obviously. I agree, because even as we... We're trying to map out our episodes for this podcast. We were trying to choose authors of different races and and different sexualities. Sexualities. Thank you. Pregnancy brain already. I'm blanking (laughs) on my words. You know, so we've been trying to do that. And I realized mainly my book cart is full of female white authors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No joke. You know, and it's so I'm I'm also trying to read like the the romance series I've been reading is by an Asian American. So I love that. I, I like that I'm broadening my s- spectrum of books as well. Yeah. Because just, just because I'm one race doesn't mean that I should only read that specific race and that specific sec- uh, gender. Absolutely. And it's our responsibility to do the research mm-hmm. and to make sure that we are as book lovers and as now book podcasters, yes. that we are giving support <laughs> to all authors, not just people who necessarily look like us agreed 100 10 percent all of the percents wow we just we just hopped up on that soapbox real quick that was we did that was a detour but it was necessary (laughs) anyways back to this so (laughs) there was a question that i found on goodreads that someone had asked casey where they got the idea for red white and royal blue and their response was Red, White, and Royal Blue was born out of a time in my life when I was following the 2016 presidential campaign closely while also reading two books at the same time. Those two books were The Royal We and Carl Bernstein's Hillary Clinton biography. They further went on on to say, I had these two characters in my head that I really wanted to write, a subversion of the bland Prince Charming archetype who just passes himself off as Milikotos to hide things going on under the surface 
and a rebellious first kid who both loves politics and is political nightmare for their presidential parent, which literally is red, white, and real blue. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then one day as I was driving to work, it hit me. If I made those two characters fall in love with each other, I could tell both of their stories in one book. And here we are. Wow. What mm-hmm. a what a jump from that to this. But mm-hmm. it worked. It, it worked. Really worked. Because like most people, we like to forget the 26, 2016 presidential campaign ever occurred. So we can just pretend that what happens in red, white, and royal blue was real and we lived through it. And we had a female president. Amen, baby. kicked ass. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2019, red, white, and royal blue won two Goodreads Choice Awards, winner for best romance and winner for best debut novel. Both are well-deserved, I think. Agreed. All right, let's get into the book. So, clearly I love Goodreads. All I do is mention them 500 times <laughs> on this podcast. Anyways, the description of the book is, First son, Alex Claremont Diaz, is the closest thing to a prince this side of the Atlantic. With his intrepid sister and the Veep's genius granddaughter, they are the White House trio, a beautiful millennial marketing strategy for his mother, President Ellen Claremont. International socialite duties do have downsides, namely when photos of a confrontation with his longtime nemesis, Prince Henry, at a royal wedding leak to the tabloids and threaten American slash British relations. The plan for damage control? Staging a fake friendship between the first son and the prince. As President Claremont kicks off her re-election bid, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret relationship with Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations. What is worth the sacrifice? How do you do all the good you can do? And most importantly, how will history remember you? Oh, <laughs> wow. That's just setting us up for some some very good quotes in this book. But also, I mean, Alex just said, fuck it all. He said, oh, yeah, we're just going to we're just going to roll the dice <laughs> on this one, which we'll get into. So basically, if you can't tell, this is a romance novel. Yes. This is our first romance novel that we've covered. I made Kelsey read a romance novel. <laughs> she didn't hate it, so there's that. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite romance tropes, which this is one of many, is I love a good enemies to friends to lovers. And this book was definitely the epitome of that. But it was like a nice, it was a different trend on it. It wasn't a typical, I hate you. It was just kind of like an underlying jealousy of the other person. Yes. Yeah, I was so say, it wasn't, it was wasn't as hardcore. Yeah, I've read some hardcore enemies to lovers, and this one was definitely more mushy, but I liked it. Yeah. You so have before to we start talk, me out, yeah, exactly, and I did, and you, you enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> so before we get into the characters, there was a quick description I wanted to read from the book that I think sets us off in a good direction of who these characters are. So it's written, Alex's image is all charisma and genius and smirking wit, thoughtful interviews, and the cover of GQ at 18. Henry's is placid smiles and gentle chivalry and generic charity appearances, a perfectly blank Prince Charming canvas. Which, yes, that that is definitely... That definitely sets them up and it sets them, it sets them up in a nice way. Whereas at the beginning 
I couldn't stand Alex. I thought he was so pompous and cocky and douchey. And I was just like, Ugh, we're not off to a good start. And I can totally see that. For me, it was the opposite. I loved him. I did. He cracked me up. And I think it was because of how Casey wrote him. I love a good witty character. Yeah. And he, he was, was witty. wit personified. <clears throat> yeah. If wit could be a person, it, it was it was Alex. And you could Just tell the he way... was like quick. He was snappy. He was mm-hmm. not what you'd expect the first son to be. No, absolutely not. But that was it like, was... I just, I, I did not like him at first. Actually, I didn't like him at all until his relationship with Henry started mm-hmm. to happen. Even just their friendship started to happen, which obviously is the whole point because that's when he started to develop. But I just, I didn't like that his entire identity became defined by the relationship. Like, I wish that I had reasons to like him before him and Henry. You don't you know? want to like him just because of his relationship with Henry. You exactly. want to like him as a person outside of that, which is completely understandable. And I'm wondering if that's almost what she, the author was going for, trying to make him seem I think her, she wanted to try to make him as different as possible yeah. from Henry, which was she definitely wrote it successfully because he he was they yeah. were too on a spectrum, they're on two different opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. No, I definitely so, think the way they wrote it is like, that's exactly it. That Alex was hiding who he was, basically, and he couldn't be himself until he was comfortable enough with Henry. So I do mm-hmm. feel like they did all of that on purpose. But it was just like, at the whole beginning, I was like, I don't like any of these characters. I did like Henry. I did like Henry, but... <laughs> Which is interesting to me, because I, I wouldn't think you would like Henry. <laughs> I know, but I, I feel like the reason I liked Henry is because I was supposed to not. Like, ma- Alex made him out to be so awful. So obviously, I knew that that wasn't the real Henry. That was foreshadowing of the fact that the real Henry is actually cool as hell. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's why I initially liked him. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can see where this is going. We know that he's not actually as lame and boring as Alex is, you know, describing him to be. Um, I know it was definitely, as you read, you can assume that Henry's character is kind of a predictable Brit with being really stoic and serious all yeah. the time and never letting their guard down and, just kind of being like a legitimate pompous ass. Yeah. But you start to see him grow and you peel back all the layers as the story goes on. And Mm -hmm. especially in those moments with Alex, when he really lets his guard down, you see the side of him that just melts your heart and just really makes you love him. When he Mm -hmm. dropped that mask for a little bit and Alex kind of, you know, pulled him out of his shell and Henry lost his properness, and you could see him still trying to yeah. like cling to that image, but he he let loose a little bit, and like I could picture it in my mind, you know, like mm-hmm. them just living it up together. Yeah, I agree. Now, before we get anything else, hundred percent going to jump around a lot with this book because it was oh, there's a lot to cover. Yeah, we're going to try our best to hit everything, 
But there's different themes throughout the book. We have the obvious theme of romance, a secret romance, no less, so it makes it more fun. There's talks of discovering sexuality. There's politics, which we won't get into too much, but we'll discuss (laughs) how it, at least how it affected their relationship, because it definitely affected both of their relationships in different ways for Alex's with his mom's presidential campaign for Henry with the the queen and her disdain for Henry's sexuality. Yes. And also we'll talk about the different character relationships aside from Henry and Alex because you have June, Alex's sister, and Nora, who is the the other part of the White House trio. Those three are a big big part of each other's lives and mm-hmm. And everything. And then you have Pez, Henry's best friend, your favorite character. Love, love Pez. <laughs> and B, uh, Henry's sister, who's mm-hmm. supportive. And then there's also Henry's other family who isn't supportive, which we'll, we'll get into. But this is definitely going to be a jumping around episode, but it'll be fun nonetheless. Sure will. Where would you <laughs> like to start? The relationship between Alex and Henry. Okay. So. Alex has followed Henry and his fame long before his mother became president. There's this really fun scene in the book where June has this J14 magazine, which guilty. I bought those. Right. I took the posters out. I hung them on my wall. My walls in my childhood bedroom, you couldn't even see them because oh. they were just covered in posters from magazines. <laughs> J14 was a classic. I know. I had. I, I loved it. So in the J14 magazine, there is a picture of a young Henry. And Alex constantly finds himself coming back to this picture of Henry. And it's almost like he's trying to decipher who Henry is from this photo. And he clearly, from that moment on, has this, I wouldn't necessarily call it an obsession, but this interest in Henry. Not in any specific way, sexually or anything like that, but he just has this interest in Henry. Yeah. So he's drawn to him in some way. Yes. And then he meets him for the first time at the Olympics. And it was a rough time for Henry. It was a year or so after his father had died. So he was still grieving. And the first time that Henry and Alex spoke, it was a very abrasive conversation. Yeah. And Alex took it very personally and was basically like... Henry hates me and he's a douchebag and I don't yeah, want to be his friend. Yeah, he's such an asshole and that's what started the whole it started his whole disdain for him but then as Alex started getting I mean it's not fame but he started being in the public eye more Yeah, then it turned mm-hmm. into like a jealousy thing like because I feel like Alex was always struggling with his own image and struggling with that kind of abrasive image that he has he would see Henry, who's just so calm and stoic and always, you know, just, oh, the attractive prince. It's just he had this jealousy that he wouldn't call jealousy. No. So he had to define it as like, oh, Henry is just such an asshole. No, because if there's one thing that you learn about Alex throughout this book is that he can never own up to a feeling. He can never put a name or a face to it. He just feels it. And just kind of rolls with it. Right, right. He definitely has trouble defining his feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then eventually there's a few points in the book where it just 
more or less slaps him in the face and is like, no, this is what you're feeling and you need to accept that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Henry is a big part of that. Henry and yes. everyone in Alex's life yes. is like forcing him to feel his feelings, forcing him to basically put them into words and put them into action. Yeah, because as you read the book, Alex's character definitely goes from an immature to a more mature version of himself. Like mm-hmm. he grows so much throughout the book in many ways. And one of them is definitely one. One of the ways is definitely him accepting his feelings and accepting yeah. who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, so, he definitely does grow a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the start of the novel, both men officially meet for the second time but quickly get into a very messy predicament at a predicament at a royal wedding they were both attending, which ends up being a Pierre nightmare for both countries, but especially for Alex's mom, who's up for re-election. <laughs> so the messy predicament is Alex and Henry fall onto Henry's brother's like $40,000 wedding cake. <laughs> yeah, just massive <laughs> wedding cake. And as they're crashing down, it's just the flash of the press everywhere. Yes, because of course there's going to be press because it's a it's a royal wedding. Yes, exactly. You know, that shit's televised or at least documented. Yes, exactly. So due to this predicament, they're both kind of forced to fake a friendship to appease the press to save face. But a fake friendship quickly turns to a romance. That leaves both men questioning what they are willing to risk while the press is always watching. So, the beginning of the fake friendship was my favorite part. One of my favorite parts. (laughs) Where they're, like, putting their arms around each other. Or putting... That makes it sound sexual. It wasn't sexual yet. (laughs) They're standing next to each other and, like, Mm -hmm. muttering insults to each other. Mm -hmm. And you kind of start to see that other side of Henry that he has a little bit of a sassiness in him too and not just Alex isn't the only one that's quick-witted so I do love how you start to see that Henry can take it and kind of dish it out yes because it's so funny because clearly before they start this fake friendship Alex gets like this dossier on on Henry and it lists out yeah. like Henry's favorite food, which was like mutton pie or something. <laughs> I don't know, some boring ass English food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his favorite author is Charles Dickens. Yeah. And Alex is basically like, "What the fuck? Yeah, he's like, I this can't guy's be friends with this guy. <laughs> we have nothing in common." Mm-hmm. You know. And then obviously, you come to find out that was the image that was created for Henry by the the regiment and everything yeah it's not who he actually is because he can't be who he actually is Mm -hmm. he's kind of forced to be this cookie cutter person for But when alex receives that and sees all that he's like oh henry is exactly who i thought he was he's lame and he's uptight and then one of my favorite scenes in the hospital Mm -hmm. where they go to the hospital for the charity mm-hmm. when they're doing one of their, you know, pretending to be friends for the press. And Alex kind of stumbles upon Henry talking to one of the patients about Star Wars. And it is just the cutest and most wholesome scene thus far in the book. And Alex is like, wait, 
maybe everything I thought isn't actually right. Maybe he does have a side that's not stuffy and uptight. And maybe he's not just doing this all for the cameras. And he's not just doing this charity work because he's supposed to. Exactly. And then they kind of bond over Star Wars. But of course, it's not without argument. They argue Mm -hmm. which version (laughs) is the better one. They have to argue about everything. (laughs) And this eventually starts... This is a kind of what leads them into the the actual friendship. So they're no longer forcing a friendship. They're speaking on the phone all the time because both suffer with insomnia mm-hmm. and they can't sleep. And so even though they're in different time zones, they're still talking all the time. At first, it starts as text messaging. And then one time, Alex just calls Henry. And they're just having these conversations. And they're on the phone for hours. And they're getting to know each other. And they're actually bonding and creating this real friendship. Mm-hmm. And my favorite scene is with the turkeys <laughs> and Henry. This is the fir- or this is the first time that Alex calls Henry mm-hmm. because he's like, "These turkeys are trying to plot my murder. I tried yeah. to save them, but yet they want to murder me." I'm looking into their <laughs> eyes, and they want to murder me. And I Henry mean, listen, is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> some birds are creepy. And they have beady eyes and it's not, you know, so it's just this kind of, and the, uh, during that conversation, you know, Henry jokes and tells him get up real close to the crate and gobble at it <laughs> and it'll really solidify you guys are, you know, united. And obviously it was just a huge, he's joking with Alex and it just creates this atmosphere and this, this bond that just continues to grow yeah. throughout the book. And, and Henry I, just kind of rolls with it. Like he doesn't we we only get everything from Alex's point of view as they start to get to know get to know each other and Alex is kind of like is it normal for me to be talking to him this much? Is it Yeah. You know, he's kind of thinking about it like are we just actually friends now? Like he's doing this whole struggle. So we don't really see how Henry is thinking about it but the whole time he's just rolling with it he answers the phone Mm -hmm. he's like wait we're talking about turkeys okay and then he starts joking with him about the turkeys so he is very responsive to alex just being all over the damn place because alex is all over the damn place and it's kind of interesting that someone as grounded as henry is kind of what helps ground alex Mm -hmm. like he's able to to tame him in a way yeah to reel him in i would say that that's also a very good because I don't I don't really know if there's any taming Alex. He's kind of a wild <laughs> <Yeah>. horse. <laughs> kind of does well, kind of does what he wants. <laughs> he's twenty one years old at this point, so I know. That's just come on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so eventually this friendship continues to blossom and then the first big event that kind of throws them into the romantic part of their relationship is there's a New Year's Eve party being hosted by the the White House trio. They do it every year that they've been in office. And Alex invites Henry and Henry brings Pez. And this is kind of where you're introduced to Pez's character, who is a rip. Love him. Yeah. And basically, Henry lets loose at this party. Mm-hmm. He's drinking. He's enjoying himself. Alex is kind of in awe of how free he is. Mm-hmm. And there's just they're just all having a great time. It's the five of them. It's it's Henry, it's Pez, it's Alex, it's Nora, it's June. 
Pez has a huge crush on June, apparently, yeah. you know? So it's just there's always something. And there's midnight hits and Alex and Nora kiss, which is normal for them because they've been friends for so long. They did try to date initially yeah, when they, they were first. The yeah, but it was just a f- pure friendship for them. There's no residual feelings. There's nothing. It's just a purely platonic. Yeah. And they kiss and Henry sees this kiss and he clearly gets upset by it. Alex doesn't know this, but Henry's upset and he leaves and he walks off into the gardens and eventually Alex is like, where'd Henry go? Mm-hmm. He's like, where's my new best bud? He gone. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was having fun at the party. Did he go back to England? I don't know. So he goes outside and he finds Henry. And Henry kind of has this... They're both drunk as fuck, by the way. Oh. No, neither of these men are sober. Yeah. <laughs> Which is obvious. To sober. You know, great, great first time to have this conversation. And so... But you never make smart decisions. They don't really. And they don't really. <laughs> but you never make the smartest decisions when you're drinking. Yeah. So... It becomes this conversation where Henry says to Alex, you know, do you ever wish that you could just be normal? Do you ever wish that you can just do what you want to do without repercussions and just do it because you want to do it? And Alex is like, what do you mean? Yeah. Drunk Alex is like, wait, what? Huh? (laughs) Explain. And Henry explains by putting his mouth on Alex's mouth. Yes. And Alex is like, oh, And it becomes this thing where Henry thought Alex knew that Henry was gay and that he was feeling Alex and Alex had no fucking clue. Yeah. Because Alex lives in Alex's world and he's in his little bubble outside of his own brain. So Henry, of course, backfires. His whole plan backfires and he's petrified and he's scared and him and Pez basically deuce it out of america like we're going back yeah and then he more or less ghosts alex yeah just straight up is like i don't want to face my what i did Mm -hmm. which in this case we'll talk about the other time that henry ghosts alex but in this case i think it was good because Mm -hmm. alex needed that time it's interesting to see how much Alex struggles because even though he's supportive of gay rights, obviously he has plenty of gay and bisexual people in his inner circle. He, for some reason with himself, he still feels like it needs to be defined. So he starts reflecting on how he had experimented with his friend Liam in the past, but he didn't think anything of it at the time. He was just like, Oh yeah, we, you know, sometimes we would make out. Sometimes we would touch each other. You know, mm-hmm. no big deal. It's normal. High school yeah. things. But then we find out that to Liam, it was a lot more than just experimenting. And Liam actually was gay. And Liam did feel some type of way about the way that Alex just kind of wrote it all off. So all of these things just kind of start rushing into his head. And he's like, wait a second. Am I bisexual? And... I love this part of the book because he does not at all, not for one second does he say, wait, am I gay? No, because he knows that in the past he has liked women. Immediately Mm -hmm. he says, am I bisexual? He never has to define it in black and white as gay or straight. 
he knows that there is more than just gay or straight. And a lot of times bisexuality is overlooked because people do just want to define gay, lesbian, or straight. For instance, I'm a bisexual woman. I've been in a long-term relationship with a man, but that doesn't mean that my bisexuality is any less valid. Mm-mm. So I really appreciated the way that that was represented. And it wasn't just, oh, okay, I'm gay now because I liked kissing Henry. Like that that yeah. would have really affected the book for me a lot. I think it would have affected it for a lot of people. Because clearly Alex likes women. Mm-hmm. You know, he has, it's talked about, not the, not the specific girls, but he's, he's hooked up with girls because the girls have to sign NDAs. Yeah. And Zara, at one point when he's hooking up with Henry, Zara's like, you know, just tell me that the, that whoever you're hooking up with is on the approved list. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But she signed an NDA. Yeah. (laughs) But I think one of my favorite parts of this book too, is the way that Alex just spirals about his bisexuality yeah he can't again it's still hard for him to put it into a little box and give it a name and put a little bow on it so he just his first his first thing he does is he goes to nora because nora is also bisexual and he looks at nora and he's just like we have He's almost looking to Nora, who's also the smart girl who's good with numbers and good with things. and She's always spitting out probabilities. Yes. And, yeah. So, you know, I think it's actually one, one of my one of my favorite things about the book is all the time they're like, what's the probability of this happening? And then Nora shoots out like a percentage. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're just, it's cute. But eventually he, he goes to Nora and Nora's just kind of like, oh, honey, like you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? <laughs> He's like, what's so, the probability? And she's like, uh, 100%. 99.9%. <laughs> and which is interesting to me that as the way that Alex is written, even from the, the jump, I could get the vibe that he may be bisexual, judging from the tone of his character mm-hmm. and who he was. So it was interesting to note that Alex legitimately had no idea but again it's because he wasn't able to put a name to it right he just feels things and goes with it he doesn't think about it he doesn't dwell on it so now he's kind of forced to dwell on it because henry kissed him yeah and that's kind of a big fucking deal Mm -hmm. and he's being confronted with now you do kind of have to define it because you either are gonna let henry continue to ghost you because obviously Mm -hmm. he feels maybe embarrassed he feels that things didn't go the way that he thought they would or you know he he feels exposed yes and so alex is either gonna never talk to him again because you know and let henry heal from that or he's gonna have to say okay i either want to keep kissing this man (laughs) or i need to say no we're just friends and that's it like there there has to be a definition coming so that he can either continue this friendship with Henry or have more than a friendship. Yeah. And he's obviously pissed that Henry's ghosting him. Henry's ignoring his calls, his text messages. Mm-hmm. And Alex isn't going to take that. He's not going to take that. <laughs> so there's some political dinner thing. I don't remember what it's called. Don't at me. But there's some <laughs> dinner thing. And he gets... Henry ends up coming for that. And so the entire time, 
Alex is planning could either be Henry's demise. Who knows? Who truly knows? Because Alex is tense at this dinner. Mm -hmm. He's cutting aggressively into his food. He's hardcore staring Henry down, trying to like turn him to stone like he's Medusa or something. You can feel how uncomfortable this is. Yes. Just to be in the general vicinity of Alex at any moment during this dinner. Yes. So obviously at at this time, Nora is the only one that knows about Alex's bisexuality Mm -hmm. and she's the only one that knows that it's with Alex that he's trying or it's with Henry that he's trying to to do something so you know Alex has one goal and that is to get Henry alone for five minutes so Nora's like I got this bro you go talk to Amy the secret service lady I'm gonna go get Henry look at these these this plate of macaroons and we're just gonna you know talk about it and so he goes to Amy and he's like, I need five minutes alone with Henry. Like, can you make this happen? And Amy, the precious, sweet baby angel that she is, is like, yes, of course, anything for you. The aggressive, sweet baby angel that she is. I know, aggressive. <laughs> Trans woman, lover. Yeah. So they, <laughs> Alex gets Henry alone <laughs> and Henry is so fucking scared. <laughs> he, thinks Henry... That, he thinks that Alex is going to punch him. He literally thinks that something bad's going to happen. Yeah. But no, Alex aggressively kisses him. And like, it's like... Painfully you kisses him. Better not fucking ghost me again. And he's like, you better meet me at my room at 11 o'clock at the dot. You know, so it's just they have this moment, this brief moment where they're making out with each other and they realize, all right, like this is this is something. Mm-hmm. And I just I loved everything about it. I yeah. loved that whole that whole scene and the, the build up to that scene and then the culmination of it. And, and that so first event- night. Yes. Yeah. And my favorite is that, of course, Henry is punctual and shows up like five minutes early. And he's just kind of like outside the door. And like, oh, hey, am, Alex- I, am I early? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then Alex lets him in. And he's again, like yelling at him, like, don't do that to me again. And mm-hmm. they, and then they have like their first sexual experience together. And it's great for both of them. And they realize mm-hmm. it's obviously not going to be anything more. This isn't going to be love or anything. This is just for fun. Yeah. They just that happen always to out. enjoy hooking up with each other. Mm-hmm. But and it's this in is... this first night that I just love Henry even more. Like he just, mm-hmm. he lets loose and he completely lets that mask fall down. And throughout the whole book, there's this back and forth about how Alex is just like cussing all the time and he has such bad language. And then... When they're in bed together, all of a sudden Henry is, you know, all these expletives, and I'm just no longer like, prim and proper. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and I just love how he completely lets himself go, and they just they. It's written so well that even though it was a hard decision to come to for Alex, and the whole time that he's waiting for Henry, he's like questioning, like. What's going to happen when Henry gets here? Yes. But then the second that it starts happening, they're they're in it. They're in it. Yeah. And they're having a great time, and they don't second 100%. guess the thing. And I love. And that. they both. I mean, Alex is definitely someone who is no holds barred. Like he is, he is himself through and through, one hundred percent. For Henry, this is his chance to actually let his guard down and to mm-hmm. be who he truly is. And Alex finally, piece by piece, gets to see. Who, who Henry truly is, yeah. which is one of the most beautiful things about the story is you finally 
get to see him tear his walls down. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and so the two of them just kind of continue this sexual friendship, whatever it is. They're doing it at the stables, at the polo game. Just in the most <laughs> at Wimbledon. They did at Wimbledon. In the which most is wild which is places. <laughs> and there's nope and somehow they never got caught, which I would question if the prince went missing for five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and you kind of understand why Alex's uh secret service agents don't question it because Cat, both Cash and Amy are in on it, and they yeah, know Cash what's going on. Cash is fully supportive. Cash yeah. is like, let me just already get my team Henry and Alex shirt out real quick. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'll guard this door while you guys mm-hmm. go in this random stable <laughs> where they keep the saddles and just mm-hmm. like bang it out real quick. Okay, I'll yep. be out here. I'll make sure there's no imminent threats. Y'all have fun. Yes. But Henry's side is not like that, so... I agree with you. I'm I'm wondering where are all his people? Yeah. So it just kind of becomes this whole thing and then eventually they do get caught by Zara who is the president's assistant. And Zara's like you got to tell your mom. Like this mm-hmm. isn't going to fly. I'm not going to keep this secret for you. Like this is serious. Like you're <laughs> You're caught. You're going to cause an you know an inter- international relations scandal. It's going to be mm-hmm. a huge thing. So, eventually, people in Alex's life are finding out about his bisexuality, and they're finding out the person is is Henry. So the next person he has the conversation with about is is his mom. And one of the biggest things that Ellen says to Alex, which again she's fully supportive of his bisexuality. Mm-hmm. There is no no questions asked. No questions. She's fully on board. She's also oddly fully on board with him having a relationship with the Prince of England. (laughs) But in return for that, she has to kick him off his campaign because Mm -hmm. she can't have that scandal on if anything blows back. I can't blow back on the campaign. And she asks Alex, is Henry forever? And obviously, Alex can't answer that yet. It's still yeah. too soon. It's only been a few months into this relationship. And he really can't put it to words yet. It's still too soon for him. So, but it's, now, it's like, incredible her, the way that she separated. Okay. It was so funny the way she did it. She's like, okay, we're going to have a meeting um, in an hour. Meet me back in here. She sent yes. me a calendar invite. Like a she has a PowerPoint. <laughs> She's, I mean, she is the woman we need running our country. Absolutely. So she was so supportive of him and said, like, yes, I'm your mom. I accept you. If this is what you want, you have to make that decision and go for it. But at the same time, she puts on her president hat and says, but you're not going to be on the campaign, Mm -hmm. which is such a big blow to Alex because... Alex is so involved in politics and he yes. wants that to be his future. And mm-hmm. he, he takes it as a personal attack. He doesn't take it as his mom being unsupportive, but he takes it as, as an attack of like, okay, I'm already starting to lose things by choosing this. And it kind of shows how big of a decision he's going to have to make. Yes, I agree. And it's kind of like a loss of character for him because politics was literally his his life. He wanted 
to start working on the campaign even before he gra- he graduated college. Yeah, he, it was his whole identity. Just, and it yeah. was his whole family's identity, too. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about June and how, you know, she didn't really want to be involved in it. But his dad, his parents are divorced, but his dad is also in politics, mm-hmm. always comes to help with the mom's campaign. His mom's obviously president and running for reelection. They have these close family friends who are politicians. So it's in his blood. And all he thinks about is this is how I'm going to get to my future. This is how I'm going to be in politics, how I'm going to take the straight route, how I'm going to get a leg up. You know, it's just, it's ingrained in him. Yeah. And actually, while we're talking about that, there is something that he says about himself or that he thinks about himself that was in the book that I think is pretty important too. He, let me just flip to the page. He says, being whatever he's starting to suspect he might be is definitely not universally appealing to voters. He has a hard enough time being half Mexican. So he already mm-hmm. knows what he's up against. Mm-hmm. He already knows that this is going to be a struggle. F- Just the fact that his mom has a, has biracial kids. Yeah. And he, he knows how many odds are stacked against them. I mean, mm-hmm. his mother is the first female president. Yep. Let's start with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then... They come from a mixed race family and he says, you know, he can't even pass for being white. Like he's Mm -hmm. so clearly biracial and he knows that that people see that and it's not appealing to everyone. Yep. And he's used to that opposition and it's kind of like, am I going to add, am I going to add another domino? That's not the right Mm. reference. Am I going (laughs) to add another layered to the house of whatever you know what i'm talking about okay you know what i mean we're getting there we're getting somewhere basically am i gonna add another thing that's gonna work against me that's what i'm trying to say yes (laughs) i know so after this conversation with his mom he basically him and henry start what is my favorite part of the entire book and it's the emails the emails that they send each other they sent me (laughs) i loved everything about them and this was your chance as the reader to fully be able to witness their growing relationship and it was through these witty eloquently written emails Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're just bashing each other in these emails yeah, so funnily, funnily is that a freaking word? I don't know. <laughs> so it's just it's so funny. It's entertaining seeing yeah. them. It's very entertaining, and then eventually they end their emails quoting love letters from historical figures, and it just adds something special to the book. And and then you know these love letters are between man and man, woman and woman. So it's it's even more special because mm-hmm. it or has people who are hiding their sexual identities. Yes, and... yes. So it's just even if these love letters aren't legitimately real and this is something that she that that they made up as an author, like I'm in awe because just the entire the entire idea of these emails and adding that extra little that extra little pizzazz to it. Yeah. It just made it. It made it so much well you see more. into their relationship and mm-hmm. i mentioned about the writing how 
I didn't necessarily like, so I read something about how the author wrote in a way that was informal so that it would seem like it was the characters talking. So they would say like a lot and stuff like that. Yes. And I feel like I didn't like it in the actual chapters, but then in the letters, Mm -hmm. that's where it comes across as, okay, this is Alex's voice. This is Henry's voice. And the way that they have their relationship where they're just constantly picking at each other Mm -hmm. and they're constantly making fun of each other as like, Oh, you Americans always do this. Yeah. And, oh, you Brits do this. And it's yeah. just, it's such, like you said, it's just such an added element that really defines their relationship. It lets you get, it lets you get Henry's perspective too, because like we said, we really only see Alex's side of things, but you see how Henry's responding and you see how, how their relationship is just growing and mm-hmm. getting more intimate. Yeah, and, and it is growing more intimate because then we get to a part in the book where now June knows as well. She figured it out on her own. No one told her, but she was very upset with Alex that Alex didn't come to her and tell her that he was bisexual mm-hmm. and that he was having a relationship with Henry. And it's so funny because June is basically goes to Alex, bro, I knew that you were in love with this with him since you were a kid yeah you think i didn't see your grubby thumbprints all over his face in my j14 magazine do you think i left that page open all the time because for myself you know for myself yeah Yeah. and so (laughs) she knew and i think she always knew that her brother was different in that way Mm -hmm. and that he he was bisexual and so she was definitely a little upset that he didn't come to her and because they're such a close family uh, yeah. Alex even says that the only reason that she's even living there is to watch over him because yes. she wants nothing to do with the campaign. She no. wants nothing to do with politics. She wants to be a writer, but she's there to kind of look after him and make sure that probably to make sure he doesn't mess up the campaign, which <laughs> probably she, she's not doing a very good job, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it does bring this little division and she, you know, forgives him very quickly but the fact that you know she tells him i'm not mad at you because you're bisexual i'm mad at you because you didn't trust me Uh enough to tell me or you didn't feel like you could tell me or you didn't know what i would say and that kind of shows him this isn't something i have to be nervous about with the people that i love like they're going to support me no matter what no because he's already three for three right now Nora, his mom, June, and now he's bringing Henry to Texas to basically meet his father and spend this weekend together on the lake. And he just mentions to his dad, like, oh, I'm going to bring a friend. I'm going to bring the Prince of England. Casual. And of course, his dad's like, hmm, seems seems (laughs) sus, but all right. There's nothing weird going on there. My friend is the prince. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so he's experiencing this freedom with Henry in Texas and it all becomes real for him on this trip and he has the discussion with his dad and his dad again is not surprised mm-hmm. and they're just casually having this conversation over corn and yes yeah. and, and he's and- the most <laughs> surprised by his dad's reaction yes yes because he says you know you grew up as a Mexican Catholic mm-hmm. like I always thought there. There could be that little bit of you 
that is judgmental, even though as a family and as their platform, they're, you know, very pro LGBTQ, like that's, that's always been their beliefs. But as we know, sometimes it's different when it's someone in your family. Sometimes it's different when you, it's yourself, you know, people Mm -hmm. have a lot easier time accepting it when it's not directly in front of them. So even though he knew that his dad was supportive, he didn't know if he would be supportive specifically of him. And his dad was like, are you kidding? Like, you really thought that I believed the prince was just your friend? (laughs) You brought him to the lake house? What are you talking about? (laughs) I know. And obviously, this is a fiction novel because I'm sure nine out of 10 times when this situation happens, the parents, the family is not supportive. Friends aren't supportive. So it's, it's, but it's really nice for, for Alex in this book that he gets to experience that. And yeah, this, this trip to Texas really opens up Alex's eyes about Henry. Mm-hmm. And the second night there, he comes to the realization that he loves Henry and he wants to tell Henry that he loves him. And so the middle of the night, Alex is like, let's go skinny dipping. They swerve the secret agents and, and or the PPOs for Henry and they're out on the lake and they're just having this one-on-one time together. And Alex obviously stares lovingly into Henry's eyes and he's about to say the L word and Henry just dips in the water. He gone. He just he flu- flounces out of the water and he's like, mosquitoes. He's like, what are these American things attacking me? They're awful. (laughs) And because Henry knew what Alex was about to say. Mm -hmm. And Henry, while he obviously reciprocates the feelings, he doesn't want Alex to say them because it's going to change everything that they're Mm -hmm. doing. It's going to make what they're doing even more real than it already is. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you know what? I'm really tired. I'm going to go to bed. And Alex Alex can feel the shift. And the next morning, Henry's gone. He leaves a note. And then guess what good old Henry does again when he's stuck in a situation that he doesn't want to face? The Ghost. dude is the dude is like, boo, I'm out. The, the dude Casper's the fuck mm-hmm. out of there. Which, like, Henry, I'm on your side until now, okay? That was <laughs> fucked up to leave in the middle of the night. And he knew exactly what was going to happen, like you said. Oh, yeah. And Alex was at the point where he made that decision. He said, my mom said that I have to decide if this is forever. Yes. He decided this is forever. But Alex, being the selfish character that he is, you know, I have my (laughs) feelings about Alex's selfishness. He doesn't think that maybe Henry's not ready to make that decision. Because Henry does reciprocate that love. Yes. But maybe he's not ready for everything to change. Exactly. And Alex doesn't look at it like that. He looks at it like, I'm ready. Come on. You're the one who kissed me in the first place. So you got to be ready, right? Well, he's, that's, he and that's the thing. It. That's the thing about Alex is that he's not putting himself in Henry's shoes. Exactly. Because while Alex's family is super supportive and he's in a country where being gay isn't necessarily a bad thing right now 
Henry's in a position where he can't come out as gay Mm -hmm. because the queen could honestly disown him Mm -hmm. or make him abdicate. You know what I mean? So it's just this whole Henry's in a much tougher situation than Alex is. Because historically, the royal family has always been Mm -hmm. more unaccepting of these things. I mean, they've skirted over so many horrible things in the past racism um recent allegations made by megan and harry which just Mm -hmm. you know let's not even get into that but (laughs) you know pedophilia all these things that they've just skirted over you really think that they're going to accept that the prince is gay and not only gay but dating the first son that's who's also half mexican Oh my gosh. Yes. I forgot about that <laughs> element of it too. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not surprising that Alex doesn't put himself in Henry's shoes. And it is much harder from Henry's side. Yes. Because even though, even though coming out to your family is extremely hard and scary, even if you know that they're supportive, mm-hmm. it's such a different atmosphere, especially because Alex already knows that Maybe they wouldn't be as accepting of him specifically, but they're accepting of, you know, queer people or people in general. Mm-hmm. So he's already starting off on the right foot, whereas Henry's family is 100% against. 100%. Yeah. So they're not going to make an exception for their prince son. You know? No, <laughs> definitely not. And so obviously Alex is pissed yeah. that Henry is ghosting him again. And so Alex phones up Cash. She's like, what are you doing for the next 24 hours? He's like, cool. I'm going to book two flights to, to England on my emergency credit card. So basically, he just shows up to Kensington Palace and he's yelling, yelling Shouting for, for Henry. Let me and, Henry's, yeah, and Henry's like bodyguard, Sean, is like, oh, bro, I'm not letting you in. You can yell all you want, you know. And then eventually Henry comes out and he's like, fine, like, let him in. And... The two of them have this argument that just – it's a huge turning point in their relationship. And it makes them realize that they want to fight for what they have. Mm-hmm. Initially, it doesn't seem like it's going that way. Alex thinks that, that when, they're, when they're having sex, that this is going to be the last time that they're ever going to mm-hmm. be with each other. That this is it. That Alex has pushed Henry too far and he needs to he needs to – recognize that henry just can't do this and henry does try in that fight to explain to Mm -hmm. alex why this is harder for him and to explain why okay you've made your decision that doesn't necessarily mean that we're all good around here exactly exactly and so the next morning henry's gone and alex is more or less thinking this is it like this is the end of our our story and this is where I'm going to have to go back to my regular life. And Henry comes in and he's like, all right, let's do it. And this, <laughs> you know, I could just see this scene I know. in the rom-com. I like, know. He wakes up and Henry is gone <laughs> and he's just like, fine, that was the last of it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Henry Henry's like, I was just out for a run. Just blazes in and he has, what does he have? Coffee and tea. Yeah, he's coffee, like, tea for him, coffee yeah. for Alex. Yeah, he's, he's like, like you damn pants. Americans with your coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I could just picture him walking in and being like, "What? What's the matter? I'm I'm here. I just ran out to get coffee. Yeah. What's up? I just what's up? <laughs> you know." And so it it ends in them saying that they're going to do this 
they're going to do it on their own timeline. Mm-hmm. They're going to wait till the election's over. And then they're going to eventually start to come out to the world together. And Henry gives Alex the signet ring that he has. And Alex puts it on the necklace with the key to his house in Texas. And so it's very, it's very Symbolic. meaningful yeah. to him. Yes. And so now that's settled. They're going to eventually come out to the world. But of course. But wait. You need the third scene or whatever it's the called. The third act. The third act where everything goes to shit. Yes. <laughs> and guess what? It goes to shit. <laughs> now, more or less, what happens is a picture is released from the hotel when, when one of the times when Henry came to Alex. And I, I cannot remember why Alex was having a bad day, but he was having a bad day. I think something happened with the election or like the oh richards i think was announced as the as the as the guy and And uh, so he was very he was in the hot yeah he was like in the hotel bar and he was nursing a gin and tonic and then henry ends up coming to like see him and was that when they found out that luna was joining richards side or joining his campaign that may be the the thing that set this all off which we're going to get to luna yeah definitely going to talk about that so Basically, this photo is released. Everyone's going crazy. Everyone is like, are they dating? Or is it something more? And then here's where June falls on the sword for her brother. She's like, no, let's pretend that I am being courted by Henry. Mm -hmm. You and Nora start going out on the town being photographed. It'll just seem like you guys are just really good pals and you introduced me to Henry. And now Henry and I are dating. Mm -hmm. And that lasts for all about five seconds. Yeah. But it it was such a huge thing for June to offer to do because she didn't want to be in the spotlight and she didn't want anything to do with the campaign. And Mm -hmm. now it's like she's offering to let the entire campaign rest on her shoulders yeah, just so that she doesn't expose her brother and Henry. Yeah. And it's this really nice – it just goes to show how much she loves her brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And how much she also loves Henry and Alex together. And, and she how wants to save it for selfish them. Alex is because he's like, oh, <laughs> I see them together. And I just, and he knows it's fake. And he sees them together. I know. And he's like, I just hated seeing them together. I'm like, they weren't like hooking up. Like, <laughs> relax, buddy. <laughs> so like Henry comes to the States to have like a coffee date with June and they sneak him to the car to see Alex and they're both talking about how much they hate this and how this isn't what they had planned. This isn't what mm-hmm. they want to do, but they kind of don't have a choice right now. And they have a smooch in the tinted car. But wait, the windshield, not tinted. Not tinted. <laughs> so obviously this whole thing blows up in their face. All of a sudden their emails are released to the world. Mm-hmm. This picture is released to the world. Zara bursts into Alex's room at 3.30 in the morning like, you fucking imbecile. Mm-hmm. And then it basically all culminates to this moment where the badass president that she is, she takes off her president hat, puts on her mom hat, and she's fully there for Alex. And she says to him again, is this forever? Mm-hmm. And Alex is like, it is forever. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. And 
so she's like, you know what? They're going to fucking answer the president of the United States. You're going to England and you're going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Which is like just just badass. She's yeah. just like you're going to you're going to fight for your love at 21 years old. You're going to fight for your love. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. You know? And so Alex is packing his bag and he comes out in the hallway and I sobbed at this point in the book because <laughs> there's his mom and her mom, his mom, her mom's hus- new husband Leo. And June and his dad flew in from California all haphazard a couple hours, you know, since everything. And mm-hmm. he just, they just envelop him in this hug and they're just fully supportive of him. And it's a really cute, non-realistic moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that puts Alex on cloud nine. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in the airplane, zoom, zoom, zoom over to England and it's all shit again. But wait. The best part happens on the airplane. We find out that Zara and Sean are engaged. <laughs> the, this was the twist. This yeah. this book was a thriller. Yeah. Because was... <laughs> this was the twist. Yeah. Never saw it coming. No, I, no, you don't. You really don't. And it was because then Zara's just... Because Alex is like having a conniption because he hasn't been able to speak to Henry and he wants to make sure Henry's okay and he's not answering his texts or his calls. And so Zara's like, call Sean's personal line. He mm-hmm. was like, put, put fucking Henry on the phone right now. And he's like, well, how do you have Sean's personal line? And he's like, we're engaged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this leads to the part of the book where now you're faced with Henry's family's dilemma. So his sister B knows that he is gay. She's fully supportive. Mm-hmm. His brother, whose name I'm now blanking on. Is it Edward? That could be wrong. It's possible. <laughs> I'm completely blanking and I'm so sorry. So the brother is not supportive. Clearly. Yeah. Should never. Oh, let me surprise. His mom has been pretty absent from their lives since the death of his father. But she obviously finds out, and it's kind of the turning point for her to come back into her children's lives, which we'll get to a little bit. And obviously, the queen is 100% not supportive. The um, queen is like... P.S. His name is Philip. I just, I just even, checked Where did this. I get Edward from? <laughs> I don't even... I don't I mean, know. I'm so sorry. It's not even remotely it's, close, it's but Edward is an English name. <laughs> it's a British white guy's name. I don't know what to I tell know. you. I'm sorry. Philip, not yeah. Edward, is not supportive, yeah. which, whatever. So, so the mom base, just comes in hot. Yeah. She yes. just all of a sudden, like, wakes up. It's like this veil has been lifted off yes. of her eyes. And she's like, oh, wait. I gotta step back in and do my mom duties. Mm-hmm. And she does. Yeah, so they basically all have this meeting with the queen, and the, the first thing out of the queen's mouth when she sits at the table is, oh, I had this conversation with the president of China, whose name I can't remember because I'm getting old, and he said that people can doctor images to make them something that they're not really not. Is that what happened here, Henry? Mm-hmm. Basically giving Henry an out to mm-hmm. just... Because as you see in, in the beginning of the book... Henry's grandma kind of knew that Henry was different, but she would was not willing to let him come clean about it. Yeah. So and that's she what said she there's... calls it. Like she yeah. says that he's different. Yes. And she encourages him to stifle that differentness. 
Yes. And so does Philip. I don't I don't think that Philip knew that Henry was gay, but no, he knew but he thought that... he thought it was just something he was just experimenting with. He's yes. like, you're not really gay. Yeah, like he he definitely knew that Henry was going against the course that was laid out for him. And he wasn't just going to sit back and just let things happen the way they're supposed to happen, the way that yeah. Philip did, you know, find someone to marry, get some heirs out of there. You know, he he knew that that Henry was going against that, but he didn't necessarily know the extent and I think that the grandmother did and just kept encouraging him to ignore it and kept encouraging him to just basically keep his mouth shut yeah. and not ruin everything in quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, she, you know, she just they discuss in the, in the book how and she says it here, too. You know, they can find him a wife and she'll be paid handsomely that she'll never say anything because mm-hmm. he he obviously needs to produce hairs because that's all they care about yeah. over there. And Henry's like, no, I'm in love with Alex and this yeah. is just what it is. And again, obviously, the queen is fighting it. She's fighting it. She's saying, you're not, you know, the country's never going to approve of this. You're, you're, you can't I'm do this. I'm not going to approve of this. Yes. Yeah. And then eventually, finally, <laughs> Catherine stands up and she's more or less like, no, like, he's going to be able to do what he wants to do and they just keep fighting back and forth and then b just stands up has sean's tablet throws it down and she's like look this country does look at look at the world the world is fully supportive of this relationship and you see all these posts coming in from social media all these videos there's flags there's all this they flew the they flew they flew whatever the curtains are flung open in the room that they're in (laughs) Uh and there's just all these people outside of buckingham palace and they just have all these rainbow flags and signs they're like henry and alex let them live yeah yeah and so Catherine eventually turns to her mom and she was like listen if you don't let them do this conference together let them come out to the world together i'm gonna go to parliament and i'm gonna be like the queen's getting fucking old and she can't remember shit. Mm-hmm. You know, she's now has this blackmail hanging over her mom because even though Catherine's been so absent, she's still obviously keeping tabs on her mom. Yeah. And on everything. And she threatens her. But yeah. then I think the I think that the threat on top of seeing that at least there was some support when they looked out yes. the window and they saw that stuff on the internet, the grandmother basically saw okay i'm not gonna win this battle no and i guess if we can control the way that it happens it's gonna happen anyway yes so basically henry and alex get the beginnings of their happy ever after so now we cut back to where did the leak come from Mm -hmm. so it turns out that the leak came from Richard's camp, his campaign people. He, which is the the Republican candidate going up against his mom for the president. And so, as we touched on briefly, Raphael Luna is a pretty big. He's a minor character in this book, but he's still a pretty big part of it. Mm-hmm. So he was a family friend. He was really he. He did the. He was with. Alex's dad. Alex's dad basically helped him yes. get his position. Mm-hmm. As I think he's like a, a senator or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And he, but he's an independent and he 
basically declares that, you know, they keep going to meet him and they're like, come on, when are you going to pull to our side? When are you going to pull to Mm -hmm. our side? And then they find out that he has chosen to join Richard's campaign and to, you know, to campaign for Richard's, which is a complete shock, a complete betrayal. Mm -hmm. And Alex had told him that he was bisexual. So his first thought, and he goes to his mom and he says, I think that Luna is the leak because I told him and he's the only one who knew who would have told anyone. Yeah. And he really looks up to Luna. Luna was a big role model for him because Luna is a gay man, a gay Mm -hmm. Mexican. And so it's someone for Alex to lean on in a sense. And again, when he tells Luna that it's Henry, Luna's like, I can't know this. So the first thing that goes through Alex's mind when the leak occurs is that it was Luna. Mm hmm. But come to find out, it wasn't Luna, but Luna is the one that exposes that it was Richard's campaign. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he's on Richard's campaign is actually for this whole reasoning that he was sexually assaulted by Richard. So yeah. it's like a whole fucking thing. Yeah. It's like trying, a, there's a lot of stories. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of storylines going on, but <laughs> basically he was trying to infiltrate the campaign yes. from within. And he had this whole plan to expose Richard's as a sexual predator. Sexual predator. Mm-hmm. And his plan kind of gets derailed by Alex and Henry <laughs> and their relationship, which is just, it's just such a mess. It's such a mess. I know. So basically, Nora gets this encrypted file and it's about the leak through the Richards campaign. And at first, they can't figure out in order for them to bring this to anyone they need proof that it came from someone within the campaign and so there's this on every email there's this little code thing on the bottom and as alex looks at it he realizes oh that he realizes that the code is luna's five guys burger order and the location so then he realizes it was luna and luna was the one that was exposing the the who the the leak leak came from so obviously at this point alex forgives luna because he's more or less he finds out the truth about everything Mm -hmm. too and it just becomes like this whole thing and and that trust is reestablished and luna tells mm -hmm. alex what his plan was which he had refused to tell him before so they kind of come full circle and that that storyline doesn't really go anywhere, unfortunately. I feel like it was a big, big thing to introduce and to not tie up. You yeah, know what I, mean? I know exactly what you're saying. So now, even though Richards did this terrible thing and <laughs> exposed email service he can still run for president so basically but her email i know know. (laughs) so basically the ending of the book is the presidential election and it ends with obviously it's a happy ending his mom wins so but she (laughs) wins texas baby turns texas blue which i don't know if that'll ever happen but in this book, it happens. In this book, it happens. In this book, <laughs> in this book, the last state that everything is hinging upon, which also doesn't make sense because they're in the middle of the country and not on the West Coast, <laughs> but whatever, we're, we're going with it. They are the last ones. They turn blue. They're mm-hmm. celebrating. And it's a happy ending. Yeah, it's a happy ending all around. 
Henry and Alex somehow sneak off again with nobody. They steal some fucking bikes and they ride their bike to Alex's childhood home. And it just everything comes full circle for him in that moment. He his mom is present again. He's in his old home with the love of his life. And it's just this whole happy ending. And while I was reading this book, I obviously texted you and yes threatened to end our friendship if it didn't have a happy ending because I was thoroughly invested in Alex and Henry and I read way too many thrillers and true crime <laughs> because not only did I not think this was going to have a happy ending, I wasn't talking about them breaking up. I legitimately thought someone was going to die in this book. I, I was waiting for a death Okay, they mentioned Henry's bouts of depression and Mm -hmm. when he would like retreat into himself and he wouldn't really talk to Alex as much. I'm like, Henry's going to take his own life. Like, (laughs) why am I like this? This I know this is what I thought was going to happen. And you You had me reading. You're just waiting for a murder. (laughs) You're like, where's the death? I need more death. There's not enough death. I was like, but who's going to die? (laughs) I know. I know. So. So it you was know, a happy uh, ending. It was great. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, there is one thing I want to say about a quote I wanted to read about yeah. Alex and Henry's relationship. It says, quote, if Alex's head is a storm, Henry is the place lightning hits ground. And this is like, it's just so it explains their relationship so perfectly because Alex is all over the place. His head is a storm and he's so inside of his own head and he's so selfish. And Henry is the person who brings him, grounds him, who brings him back to reality, who calms him down and they just balance each other so well. And I think that that's really the beauty of their relationship is that they do have this give and take. And we talked about it with, you know, with the the emails and stuff, but it goes so much deeper than that. I agree. And I, I actually had highlighted that part in my book too, because I really like that. Um, before I get to my quote, there is one question I wanted to talk about, which was, what does it mean to have to hide who you truly are due to your representation compared to your actual identity? And I think this question is definitely a lot about, we touched a little bit on Henry and two, it, he he literally could not be himself because of the world he was born into. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. didn't even have a choice. Like, he was kind of born without a choice. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Which is... He was born into his entire future. Like, everything in his entire life was already mapped out before he was even born. Mm-hmm. And even though Alex has so many things stacked against him... And things that, you know, especially if you're in the public eye, can be perceived as not appealing to everyone like we talked about. Yeah. It's, this is, this is a career that he's choosing. He's Mm -hmm. choosing to get into politics. His mom chose to get into politics. And he's choosing to be with her on the campaign. And he's choosing to show his face with her, even though, you know, he says that he can't even pass as white and that, that can, that can get some, you know, rub some voters the wrong way, but it's totally different with Henry. He 
does not have a choice. He didn't choose any of that for himself. No, and it's and I I really like how it plays out in the book because the representation of Henry at the very beginning of this book is not even remotely close to his actual identity. Yeah. So you get to see what it means for Henry to have to hide and you see the turmoil that he goes through as you read this book and he we you talked about it how he goes through these depression bouts cuz he can't be who he truly is. He mm-hmm. has to hide the truest part of himself because he's afraid that the world won't accept him. Mm-hmm. And then or that he finally his country won't accept him. Literally. And he he finally finds someone who he connects with and he's like, "Wait, this is really what I want." Yeah. And it's I can't even imagine the inner turmoil that would happen because it's not just like okay, should I come out to my family? No, it's should I come out to my family and tell them that I'm already dating someone and tell <laughs> them a lot. that the yeah. person I'm dating is American and tell <laughs> them that the person I'm dating is the first son. Like, there's just so much. It's and not Henry easy. Just, <laughs> Henry just deals with it. Like, yes, yeah. he has his bouts of depression, but they also talk a lot about how that is, you know, him grieving his father and grieving his mm-hmm. loss. And he just handles all of it so well. Like, he barely loses his cool, you know? And and Alex is so the opposite. I know. He's so reactive. <laughs> and it just shows a lot about how different they are. You yes. see a lot about a lot of the differences between how close their families are. Mm-hmm. And there's just completely opposite dynamics yeah. that the author is able to describe and pull together. And I, I really like that. Yeah, that was just one thing I wanted to talk about. I kind of want to talk about like Henry's representation because I think that the author did a really great job with how they wrote him mm-hmm. and how they did it. And so I really, all in all, like I said, this book is just chef's kiss. So I had two <laughs> quotes that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. My first one is a romantic quote. And it is, when Alex was a kid, before anyone knew his name, he dreamed of love like it was a fairy tale as if it would come sweeping into his life on the back of a dragon one day. When he got older, he learned about love as a strange thing that could fall apart no no matter how badly you wanted it, a choice you make anyway. He never imagined it'd turn out he was right both times. Which just love that. I love it. I love it. Because it's so true. It's, it was, did come at him quick like that, but then it did turn into a choice a mm-hmm. hard, hard choice that he yeah, had to inevitably make. Yeah, and he obviously did have that fairy tale with Henry initially, and then shit got real. Mm-hmm. And he learned that, you know, sometimes it will fall apart, <laughs> no badly how much you want it to work. And it, it did yeah. it fell apart a couple times on him. But in the end, obviously, they end up together. Yeah. Then, of course, the most iconic quote, it's on the special edition of the book. And it's just simple. History, huh? Bet we could make some. Damn straight you can make some. Damn right you damn right you did. The first son and the prince of their <laughs> illicit <being> love gay. <laughs> affair. And I really I liked the the spicy scenes in here. I yes. thought they were hot. They're I tasteful. They were, they were tasteful. Descriptive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that a reason that I don't like romance sometimes is because a lot of romance authors will try to use 
like abstract imagery or weird synonyms or like describe parts in a way you know what I mean they're like using weird describe words. phallic parts yes like just you know I'm thinking of that scene in um 10 things I hate about you where she's talking about like a bratwurst oh or my god the uh, engorged yeah. his engorged penis and you're just yeah, like yeah. ah yeah so that's that's something I hate um and this author does not do that and no. also how in all of the sex scenes Alex isn't struggling with his sexuality in those moments no. at all. It is natural to him. He's mm-hmm. completely in the moment. He's never second guessing. And that speaks a lot to sexuality not being a choice. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Preach. <laughs> so it is now time for us to rate the book. Our rating this week is whatever out of five history books because we're making history here this should come as no surprise this baby got a five out of five for me <laughs> five out of five. loved it it was great i i like romance novels and i don't always give them five star ratings because i i can be realistic but there was just something about this story there was just something about this story i cried a couple times reading it and it just was such a powerful meaningful story and i really liked it Mm -hmm. i i definitely really liked it too i gave it i was between three and a half and four but we did talk recently about our ratings being based on feeling Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go with four there were certain things that i didn't like uh the writing in the beginning i thought it was very on the nose like when you're in a movie and they have to explain everything that happened prior to the movie. So the yeah. characters are very obvious. Like, oh my God, ever since you, your parents got divorced and you moved to Arizona, you're such a bitch. You know, like those kind of vibes. Um, so I wasn't crazy about the beginning and I didn't find any of the characters likable by themselves. But I did love the character growth. I thought the yes. message was amazing. I thought the happy ending, once I got over the fact that no one was going to die, I thought that was great. <laughs> and obviously, I love forbidden romance. But my biggest issue with this book is the age of these characters. I know. I know. Alex it's not. And Henry I know. <laughs> are 22, bro. I know. They said I forever know. at 22. Every time, like every risk that they took, I was like, girl, are you sure? (laughs) So if these characters were five years older, I would be totally on board. I think they were written way too young. I get that. I still love it. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I agree. It's a good book. It's a good book. And now we have a movie coming out yeah so the movie is coming out on amazon prime there has not been a release date listed yet my assumption is that it will be out probably in the summer so obviously kelsey and i will watch it when it comes out and when we do our month end of month bonus episodes whatever month it comes out we'll, we'll talk about it it'll be like our little a little catch-up corner, and yeah, we'll talk about the movie then. I highly suggest you Google 
the cast because Alex, legitimately perfect. Henry wasn't what I was expecting, but I'm still into it. Yeah. And I believe Uma Thurman plays the president. Yes. So it's going to be a good movie, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. The story was great. So I'm going to assume and I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to do the movie based on the story. And And how much of the storylines they're going to put in there because I did think there were too many storylines going uh, on. Yeah, I think they're going to cut a lot of it. Definitely. Yeah. So I because like I this yeah. I'm curious to see if they make it basically just a romance, and then the only drama is based around their relationship, or if they include the Luna situation. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm curious to see how they're going to wrap that all up. Yeah. Me too. So I will, whenever I see any postings about it, because I'm sure that once they put a release date out, they're going to post a lot of stuff to social media yeah. promoting it. So I'll share stuff to our our stories on on our Instagram and everything to keep you guys updated because I definitely think it's going to be a good movie. Yeah. I'm excited. So thank you for listening to us. Like and subscribe, download our episodes. We're on basically every podcasting platform except for maybe like one or two but we're on the big ones that everyone listens Mm -hmm. to we are on instagram and tiktok at fully booked calf pod kelsey here has been killing it with the tiktok edits don't know how you have the patience nor the time but you're doing it and they look you're gonna love fucking fantastic you're gonna love my red white and royal blue one because (laughs) i found so much cute uh fan art oh i'm so excited to love fan art yes it's the perfect movie for fan art so like definitely (laughs) check her out i take she does the tiktok i do the instagram clearly she's way more she's doing she's doing a lot more creativity than i am but it looks great i was looking at your videos that you posted and they're just they're looking superb so i really and appreciate instagram aesthetic is on point also Heather. come on come <laughs> thank on you. thank you thank you <laughs> anyway thanks for checking us out and remember if you need us we're fully booked goodbye Bye.